Wamanjika and welcome to M Pavilion. Uh, uh, we're about to begin, so I'll have everyone who is at the back come and take a seat. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land here at M Pavilion. Uh, we acknowledge that this is the traditional land of the Bunurong people and acknowledge elders past, present and to the future. I'd like to introduce Carl Fender over here who is going to introduce our speakers for tonight. He is a member of the board of the Australian Institute of Architects Foundation and a director of Fender Catalytis. There you go. Hello everyone, good, good, good evening. Everybody up the back there, we're about to start proceedings, so come on up. You don't have to stand right down the back. This is an intimate event tonight. Um, let me just um, thank you all for coming tonight. Um, why wouldn't you come? It's going to be a fantastic discourse. But um, particularly with um, Melbourne's weather, it could have uh, poured. So thanks for chancing your arm and coming. Although I think we'll be OK. In fact, it would be rather beautiful with rain tinkling through these little <laughs> petals. Um, I'd like also to thank and con congratulate Naomi and her foundation for this remarkable program of M Pavilions, which uh, we all acknowledge has uh, brought so much to the cultural landscape of Melbourne. Marvellous Melbourne, always something happening. And this has uh, really, really enriched the landscape. It's, um, this, of course, is the second pavilion and um, designed by Amanda Levitt, who is a very um, well-known and well-respected uh, architect based in, um, in London. I, I should preface um, this evening's event by saying that it, it's uh, an Australian Institute of Architects Foundation initiative and, um, that the, um, and reminding that the foundation, which is chaired by the um, inimitable Edmund Capon, was uh, formed to enrich the connection and the importance of the connection of the importance of great design with the public at large, really. And uh, tonight is just one of those, uh, a, a great example of how the Foundation is bringing these sort of programs um, to Australia. One of the Foundation's initiatives is, um, I don't know if you know, but it's the, um, it's the um, International Architect Residency Program, in which the Foundation brings architects to Australia and thanks to the generosity of Daniel Droger in Sydney, who has given us his house in which to house um, these architects, um, they, they can come to Australia. They are living in Sydney, but travelling throughout Australia to um, enrich the architectural uh, and design discourse. But they do engage with uh, universities. They do engage with practices. They do engage with the public through lectures such as this, or discussions such as this tonight. So, it's a fantastic program, and uh, we're very, very um, uh, fortunate to have had Daniel being so generous um, with his house in Sydney. Had you like the house? It's, yeah, it's a it's a lovely house. Yeah, it's yeah, very nice. it is. It's uh, it's 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 really helped the foundation to kick off. So that's why Nick Wood is here tonight, um, because he's been in Australia for a little while on the founder and his beautiful wife, um, Lara. And um, we welcome them, of course, to Melbourne. And uh, we look forward to tonight's events. But 
Who is this guy, Nick? Well, I know you all know, but I'll, I'll give you a little uh, synopsis. Um, Nick is the architect and founder of How About Studio, a London-based design practice working internationally on diverse projects ranging from event-based installations to furniture and, of course, buildings. His design work combines his passion and knowledge of working at one-to-one, -one, which is just so beautiful in this kind of IT age, um, and uh, with a belief in the dormant potential within all spaces and places to delight the people that interact with them. Projects within Nick's practice explore the tangible overlaps between art and architecture, with an investment in the fabrication process that extends beyond his role as architect and focuses on combining craft and digital technologies to create new and engaging experiences. Looking forward to that. Um, and of course, Sibling, a uh, fantastic um, young practice, is an exciting design collective that works at the intersection of architecture, urbanism, cultural analysis and graphic communication to produce new and unexpected spatial outcomes. Whether the outcome be a building installation, urban strategy or event, Sibling's approach comprises intelligent forms while fostering a positive socially engaged agenda. And so I think we'll um, get on with a fantastic discourse. And, we're, and isn't it great that we can do this in the park, in this incredible pavilion? It's um, very appropriate to the Foundation's mandates of bringing great design discourse together. And thank you again for all chancing your arm with our weather. But I'm sure you're going to have a, a really, really great evening and enjoy this discourse. So over to. Over to who? You guys? Oh, to me. Yeah, I'm OK, <laughs> good. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. Yeah, thanks, Carl. Uh, and thanks for the introduction. Um, like I say, we were, as part of the residency, I'm based in Sydney, but visiting uh, Melbourne. So really keen to uh, connect with, um, well, here at the conference, but also wanting to connect with local practices. And uh, it was, I think, uh, Jesse from Memphillian that introduced us to sibling and um, yeah, fantastic to find out about Sibling and see their work. And uh, we've, over the last few weeks, had a few, um, last week or two, had a few uh, Skype conversations from Sydney to Melbourne and found some really interesting overlaps in some of the things we're interested in and some of the works and projects we kind of have done and working on. So I guess the idea tonight is just for us to give an insight in quite an informal setting to how we see some of those overlaps and also uh, to kind of I think each of these projects really just gives a kind of very touches very lightly on one aspect of each of these projects and uh, we're very keen to discuss in more detail and would kind of welcome conversation at the bar afterwards but maybe a kind of formal questions and answer is kind of not necessarily uh, here so yeah uh, <laughs> I'll start with the first of our of our themes, I guess. Which yeah. So I'm not sure if everyone, um, just because obviously what we're talking about is visual, um, we've handed around some um, visual accompaniment. Yes. There's also uh, websites on the back page if you want to go to our. It's <laughs> good. It's good collaboration and yeah. all the bits I left out. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I'm Nick from Sibling, and Amelia. I'm Jane. Yeah. Yeah. Just a bit of <laughs> yeah. So yeah, as Nick sort of said, the, I guess from our 
um, initial conversations, the way that we thought we could try and break it down would be to kind of pick almost yeah, three different themes. Um, and I guess in some of those themes we found yeah, quite similar approaches and then also different approaches. So we thought we'd just kind of break it down. Um, so I guess the first subject we wanted to discuss was material. Yeah. And the way in which... <laughs> On the first page, um, and the so way. So when we turn to the first yeah. double spread, that's still going through. Yeah. So I guess the ways in which both of our practice deal with the issue of materiality, um, which is obviously inherent in what we do. Um, yes. Yeah. So the yeah. So the first, I guess the first kind of uh, project I want to quickly mention under that theme uh, is this uh, project here, which is a recent project completed in London in a Selfridges department store, which was a canopy made of uh, about just under 6,000 uh, plastic water bottles to raise awareness about the plastic problem with the ocean. And so clearly uh, our interpretation of material in that is the sense that both what, what can a surface be made of, but also what are the properties of a material and how can something quite every day like a plastic bottle be reimagined and I think yeah uh, the the idea of taking something and how you can transform by, by, both by forming a group or by transforming through filling a bottle with liquid so I think yeah that leads really nicely I think to a, a project of, of, of siblings which we were discussing um, which was for yeah so <clears throat> I guess, yeah, when we first uh, had the ability to kind of look at each other's work, um, the two projects at the bottom of that page uh, felt like there was some kind of link. Um, and the project that we kind of paired with Nick's project was a cafe that we designed in Caulfield, in Melbourne, sorry. Um, and I guess we sort of, yeah, our conversation was really about how to, or how we both kind of like to explore um, using, I guess, other kinds of materials which aren't typically used in the way um, that they're intended for. So I guess in the same way that your project is, um, yeah, experimenting with a kind of everyday material of uh, water bottles, we kind of, um, we like to do that in a lot of our work as well. And in this particular project, we sort of um, created a sort of cloudscape ceiling from a roofing material. So it's something that's not normally used in that context um, and sort of trying to push the, the boundaries of um, the way that that material is, is used. Um, and I guess those, that, that sort of comparison is quite a kind of surface-based comparison. But then after we sort of had that um, sort of initial discussion, it prompted us to sort of go away and look at how else we use materials in our own um, way, in our own practice. Um, and I guess the project which we wanted to focus on in this sort of subject is a project that we did, a research project um, for Melbourne University, and it was at the Wonderlic Gallery, um, which we did in 2013. So, um, the university came to us and kind of gave us a um, an, the ability to kind of do a research project and we could sort of take it and do what, what we wanted, um, which was a very kind of rare and lucky opportunity. Um, and one of the sort of things that we were interested in at that time 
was the way, I guess, the internet of things and the way that um, sort of technology is influencing the way that we inhabit space and the way that we sort of communicate with one another. Um, and we started doing research into sort of different ways that we could start to mediate that and how we could sort of start to control um, the use of sort of technology within space. Um, and we came across the work of a scientist called Michael Faraday. So in 1836, he um, sort of developed a principle where um, he created a Faraday cage, which is basically the use of a material, a constant conductive material, um, and how that could sort of block electromagnetic waves from entering um, the space that the material surrounded. Um, so we sort of took that principle um, and that kind of, you know, in the inherent property of um, how to use that material um, and scaled it up to um, a space which um, would do the same thing. So for that particular project, we conducted a lot of sort of research um, and we worked with scientists from the synchrotron, um, sort of really investigating how we could achieve that sort of the blockage um, and what material properties were sort of um, needed in order to achieve that. Um, we looked at getting sort of copper, um, custom copper knitted um, meshes. Um, and in the end, after a lot of testing and after a lot of pain, um, <laughs> we, we sort of eventually came to um, a very common material, which is just sort of common builder's sarking, which is often used as a sort of uh, waterproofing mechanism in sort of typical domestic construction. Um, and we found that the sort of metallic properties of that material um, allowed us to achieve the, the same exact thing, so layers of common um, sarking. Um, and I guess for us, that project really represented, um, you know, the idea of taking a very specific material, um, testing it to its sort of limits, um, and, you know, I guess looking at materiality more in terms of the way that it would um, influence social connection and um, connect, like, uh, yeah, connection between people within the space. Yeah, I think that that project from some sibling was was a really uh, kind of fantastic and beautiful example of like how to slowly work with the material and to sort of um, and its properties to be able to achieve a certain effect. And they, I guess that. Uh, when I was hearing about this project kind of triggered thoughts about a project I completed within uh, a gallery in London which um, in a kind of opposite sense was more about the effect afterwards so the the, the picture you've got to the to the left there um, was a, uh, a project with a youth group in um, a Whitechapel gallery and the essence of the project was to reimagine the, uh, the way a gallery was kind of this gallery space was used, and one of those ways we reimagined it was by um, trying to create two new views which disrupted the kind of existing route through the gallery spaces, which are quite well. Gallery spaces are quite circular anyway in their navigation. So we created um, to, to form those two views. We created a hanging uh, sculpture, if you like, made of. Um, 50 mil wide ribbon. So the material selection was very quick because it was about availability. It was about, yeah. um, uh, it's, it was in an area of London which had a lot of fabric shops, so it's kind of locality. But the actual um, kind of element of surprise came from the way the material kind of 
became animated by its sight, by the way it um, behaved when light hit it and the way it drew kind of uh, an amazing amount of sunlight into the, into the space, like d deeper than before. And even as a kind of s strange response to the initial intention to create these two viewpoints out, uh, it actually very literally funneled the light back down onto that spot where people were meant to go and uh, sit. So yeah, as a as a as a comparison, like a kind of fascinating, um, so I guess change. And I think that that sort of idea, maybe of like, in some projects having that opportunity to sort of step back and see how material, I guess, in these more temporary projects, which are some of the things we're presenting. Mm. Yeah, I guess it's funny because for yeah, in in the um, in that project, I guess you almost kind of picked a material and then let that material mm -hmm. um, create sort of the outcome in a sense. Um, which is, yeah, I guess, sort of interesting to compare to the project in on off where we really had to find a material to do a very specific thing. Um, and, yeah, I guess testing different materialities to achieve the end, yeah. Yeah, so that was... Um... Oh. Well, <laughs> um, we might move on to scale, which is the next sort of thematic that we were going to look at, um, which is the next page. I think scale is a device that's been used by architects historically for good and often for evil. It's an easy way to make people feel very small in a large space. It's an easy way of sort of imparting a sense of power from above. But I think a really nice parallel between Nick's work and our work is that the human almost becomes the human scale is so essential to both of our practices that it almost becomes the site of the work and not just the physical body, but the actions of the human and how the actions of the human influence the space. So it's kind of, yeah, working on that very minute level. I think we've both done a lot of projects that um, really celebrate engagement between people and, yeah, how people interact in the scene. I guess there's also that kind of also early on in, in practice as well, the uh, the kind of trying to create, use, to use, to create the, as much as you can from a, either a small scale as well, to sort of, to, as yeah. far as the opportunity, which, which a project can, how far it can spread and how far it can. Yeah, exactly. And I think both of us started doing a lot of self-initiated work. So scale was used, a small scale was obviously the realm in which we kind of needed to work at that point. Um, yeah, do you want to talk about your Feel It, Take It project? Yeah, well, this was, uh, I guess this scale-wise has a, um, although the image which I've included in the, in the booklet is one, which is um, a, a detail of a, of a corner of this kind of chandelier, is actually a project for a gallery in uh, New York and um, composed of 140 felt uh, pieces which were hung, which were actually um, scarves. So there was this kind of, the opportunity came to have the gallery space, but then we had this, well, it was actually a tiny little gallery space to talk about scale, but um, the immediate opportunity, just like with the project in the gallery, was to think in the bigger picture and think of the scale of the city and yeah. how can an installation have a relationship to the city. Uh, I guess there's all, and so the idea with this piece was that um, we would hang this uh, sculpture we would have an opening event, and then a few weeks later, we'd have a uh, a closing event at which 
the sculpture would be taken apart and everyone would leave wearing one of these felt scarves. It was so in winter, this, right? Hmm? It was in winter? It was in winter. <laughs> you had to. See, we know each other's projects so well. <laughs> I know. So, yeah, yeah that, like I say, that scale of the climate and the scale of the city mm. being something which is worth thinking about at kind of the scale of the object and the scale of its use. But Yeah. I mean, I guess we were also looking at the, um, the Y3K door project as sort of representational of some of our work with scale. In that project, um, we needed to make a heritage door become a device that the gallery could kind of mediate the sense of publicness between the gallery and the street. But I guess we thought it was relevant to scale because it's sort of taking a typical architectural device, the, just a generic door, but turning it into something more than just a door, something that, had, that could actually activate a whole public space and a whole gallery in a way, with, with the addition of all these different moving components. And then in this project here, the Young Street Housing Development, we sort of scaled that idea up again. Um, and almost, I guess instead of using a door as the device that we were exploring in this situation, we were using the idea of a window. But just that simple architectural device then becomes the basis of the entire building in a way. So, and I think we thought it was a nice um, two projects to look at because the door project was done when our scale of practice was very small and then it's nice to see that these ideas follow through into a more established practice mode as well. Yeah, yeah and also I think there's a kind of, um, it ties in, oh, it remind, reminds me of parts of this uh, the project which we've got here, which is a, uh, was called the Community Billboard. Just because that, that recognition and in, in a way the that project relates to both of those in quite strong ways or quite yeah. separate ways, um, both in the enlargement of an element to kind of bring it to a point of conversation. So the, the idea behind this project was um, there was a commission for a UK high street and uh, observation which I made when I went to the high street was, it was just covered in these massive billboards which talked about big companies. And the scale, well, the scale there again was not it wasn't appropriate to both in the kind of way it was so dominant in the in the streetscape. So compared to the um, the community notice board, which was tiny, <laughs> trying to think of size. But um, so the idea was to basically create another billboard and to have it as a community notice board. And um, that was yeah the the way that that idea kind of was framed, I guess. So there's there's one element of the project there, but the idea where that was framed was. Uh, by a kind of tribute, I guess, to the rest of the high street to encourage exploration to sort of, in the same way that your kind of housing development was looking at its relationship to its context within that kind of quite dense urban area, how do you create that kind of intimacy or that connection? Uh, there was also a very strong connection to context and the scale of the context in the high street. How do you kind of create almost a visual trail for someone to follow within a, within a mural? Um, yeah. Trying to maybe do too much that project, but it's uh, yeah, it was um, definitely playing with that so that kind of notion of scale. And um, yeah, I think I think there's a there's a there's a lot of kind of interesting things which I think can be drawn back to 
I guess, thinking about how we treat those surfaces in the, in the city. Yeah, taking the human scale and then expanding that human scale into an urban context is really good. Cool. All right, we might uh, move on to the final topic, which is um, the public uh, spread that you can see at the back. <clears throat> um, so I guess we've talked about the other two themes and um, and touched on, I guess, the public in all of those as well. But I guess uh, in our practice, and it appears in, in Nick's as well, um, I guess that end user and the public experience is very sort of inherent to a lot of our work. Um, and so I guess looking at looking at the projects uh, from a public point of view, I guess, is um, important. But I guess what we also kind of discovered was that there were, I guess, two kind of different ways that uh, public was kind of being approached. Um, one was kind of a public process, so getting people involved in the, in the design process. And then, uh, I guess, another one being uh, kind of turning uh, semi-private or non public places into kind of public environments. Um, so we'll talk about a couple of those topics, but maybe do you want to start by talking about your, um, is it the Whitechapel Gallery? Yeah, it's the, so yeah, that idea of public process, and I think, yeah, I think it's really important that architects, when, when working with the public, uh, kind of are open and sort of approachable and I think uh, engaging and sort of so people know what what's I guess what's happening to the cities around them before it happens and so in that sense with the gallery project we had this series of workshops which led up uh, as a way of kind of creating that um, the exhibition for the gallery and one and those workshops were exploring uh, the basically the idea of what we wanted to do with that space and the approach we took was to really work as a group both in discussion, so there was kind of a lot of times where the product of the workshop was a wall covered in ideas and notes and images and uh, strange objects which we made together. And then later on in the process, it started to become more physical. So we started to work more with this idea of when we were actually in the space, what did we want to do? So the example we got here is um, a kind of very quick uh, sort of, I guess, activity we did which was to create a timber frame and then to all as a group make something we could all kind of understand very quickly which is paper airplanes so we all made a kind of a pile of paper airplanes and those were then uh, hung from the wires in this timber frame and then we were able to very quickly in the space of kind of 15 20 minutes to stand underneath the thing we've created and discuss its impact on the space and talk about whether it was a good thing or so that kind of suddenly the pub suddenly it was a kind of public act this design kind of yeah, yeah. process we're going through what was the feedback <laughs> good good <laughs> yeah. no no i think well to the the feedback from that was that it was too solid a surface okay. and, the, and that led on to that Another idea about the two to views yeah. to yeah. come through that uh yeah. the hung the hung sculpture yeah, yeah. cool um so maybe maybe now we if we talk about um the Melbourne Now Reading Room, which is on the bottom left of that spread. Um, so this is a project we did a few years ago uh, with the Melbourne Now exhibition at the NGV. It was the reading room in that space, and I guess um, the space that we were given to work with uh, bridged two of the main gallery spaces, so it was kind of a transitory space that people moved through. Um, and I guess we really wanted to, to slow people down and 
get them to engage with books, um, which are quite a solo kind of, um, well, I guess, quite a solo experience and individual experience when you're reading a book. Um, but we wanted to try and make that a, a public experience. So I guess by creating a, a small um, tiered bookshelf, um, the people were able to kind of sit and kind of engage with the books. Um, but also, I guess, the use, again, of material um, was kind of employed to to also heighten this idea of publicness where mirrored panels sort of flanked the side of it and wherever you sat, you'd be aware of kind of mm -hmm. the public around you. And I guess it, it also, the form of the, um, of the book stand uh, enabled it to kind of become a secondary hub within the whole exhibition and talks and readings were held there. So it kind of became another social space within the whole, whole kind of um, program. Yeah. Well, I th yeah, I think the kind of that thing you're saying about the intimacy of a of a of a book's really interesting. Cause it's that kind of how do you find within public spaces and also well within spaces like the bookshop you created that sort of idea of having a space to to go to have a private moment in a kind of public in way. In a public way, yeah. yeah it's quite a sounds yeah. quite a strange, but it's such an important thing for us to think about as all yeah, an interesting challenge of designer. Yeah, but, definitely. So I guess I guess in that way I I've kind of working currently in Sydney and uh, on the project for the um, the idea of the project is looking at the potential of the awning, which I as an Englishman don't know that well, but hopefully as Australians you know very well, uh, and its kind of potential for the role in the in the experience of the street, and so I've, one very big kind of part of that project is that I want to maintain a kind of open and public process because it's such a um, kind of public element of the experience of the street and so I've tried to do that in every way and and trying to very early we're kind of in the early stages but trying to do that in the way which I um, and talking to people about the awnings yeah and so walking around and uh, just bumping into people and pointing upwards is kind of a difficult way to engage people in public people usually yeah it doesn't work that well. <laughs> so um, I've actually kind of, as a first move, I guess, in this interest I have in making and uh, engagement, as I've made this, uh, the, best, the best way to describe it is a trolley. Um, I made this trolley which I've been wheeling around Sydney, uh, which has a mirrored top to it, but it's also uh, painted bright orange, which is a kind of nod to your uh, bright orange urban infrastructure things. The high vis, high vis, yeah, yeah, <laughs> bright orange, high vis. Um, so yeah, I think that that's me trying to be as public as I can in my design process and trying to kind of. It's amazing how those decisions you make about being high vis and things like that yeah. are kind of draw people towards draw, you, yeah, yeah. and you can start to. So when you're wheeling this around, is, uh, is it? It's like engaging people kind of directly, like I guess random people. Uh, ra random people, but you can always see, you can kind of spot the people who look at you in a weird way from a distance, yeah, and okay. uh, <laughs> those are the ones to go for. Yeah. But, uh, what, yeah. Was, what was it about the awning that, like, what was that, uh, I guess, besides the fact that it's um, sort of a new typology for you, what was the, or what have you observed? I, I, I think it's, yeah, I think it's, well, uh, speaking early, in the early stages, it's the, um, yeah, it's this the potential of that space above the street, which yeah. which is and which is actually going back to the public-private conversation is a privately owned piece of the street. Like the landlord of the building 
uh, which the awning is attached to, is responsible for that awning and controls its use and sort of, yeah. So it's a really interesting part of, I think, the kind of the fabric which yeah. people are experiencing. And uh, so hopefully, yeah, the idea is over the next couple of weeks to sort of tease out a couple of possible good ideas and like ways of rethinking its kind of immediate future. So. Yeah. Have you have you noticed any um, kind of behavioural differences in the public, like having an awning, or as a bit like in in the UK where maybe they don't have them, or I I get a definitely a bigger sense of uh, I guess it's about it's more about I mean similar to here there's a there's a transparency and translucency which gives you a sense of lightness in the sky yeah and the sense of day and daytime and uh, I guess. Here's not a great example because we're completely open to the sides, but in the street environment, I think that kind of public space which you have as you walk along the street definitely it's feels like a, contained, like a yeah. slight tunnel experience. Yeah, that's no, interesting. Which I, I mean, I, and uh, I guess it's that connection between the the trying to maintain that connection between the street and the public yeah, yeah. kind of spaces and those sort of semi-public internal spaces of the street as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which sort of probably. Leads into our yeah, leads us into our um, into the Gertrude Glasshouse Gallery, which is on the uh, top right. Um, and so this is a project we recently did for Gertrude Contemporary. Um, it's a small art gallery in Collingwood, but I guess again, the ideas of um, I guess trying to turn uh, what essentially is a semi-private kind of space into a public space. So. I guess we, you, we sort of stole part of the interior and I guess created a, a veranda or covered exterior space and really wanted that to become, I guess, this uh, zone within the gallery. Again, art being a pretty sort of individual kind of experience, um, sort of creating a space where people could come and discuss the art, but I guess also putting you on display as you sort of walk into the space as well. Um, and again, uh, on the right-hand side of that image, you can sort of see a white box. And that was sort of about creating this 24-hour cycle uh, of the street and constantly having this art kind of connected to the street. So, yeah, again, it was uh, about turning uh, places that aren't generally public into places where people kind of become the, the focal point or the centre of the whole uh, process. And I guess they become integral to that, to that whole design in a way. Yeah, I, th I think like that space you're talking about to the left there, like having that changing display and vibrancy is just like such an important element. Yeah, to, absolutely. To kind of even just people who, and I think this goes back to things I found with the trying to decide the kind of curating the content, I guess, of the the billboard which I was looking at in London. Yeah. What you know, people there's an element of the, the what's being shown, but there's also an element of just showing people that it's an activity and yeah. that there's when people come past on a weekly or monthly basis they notice that change is happening and there's a kind of animation to the street yeah absolutely it just makes the street a bit more interesting for everyone as well mm -hmm. yeah hmm. i mean uh, that was also something that from the original gertrude street um yeah, they like, had a light box there as yeah well. which we sort of love that um you know i think most people who know that gallery know that when you walk past you can kind of look into this really small little light box that's in the doorway <coughs> Um, which they curate and have sort of artwork, small art pieces in there. Um, and, you know, even sort of going past there at night time and um, it really does sort of, um, I guess, add to its 24-hour cycle. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
yeah, it's, um, I guess the public topic in a way kind of folds back into all of the projects really because mm. it's sort of inherent to a lot of, I think, all of our processes that um, at, we're interested in all of the project, like with on-off, that's a very sort of public kind of um, intention where it's getting people to kind of interact with one another. And I guess, you know, even with your Selfridges project, you know, there's a very social kind of awareness message kind of with that as well. Yeah, I guess that's the, um, yeah, I, I would agree. The, the, pub, the public element, I guess, of the three scalar material is kind of a, a given in any architectural project yeah. and public is based partly on brief, partly on your approach to design. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it, that's been a really productive thing, which I think we've found maybe from learning about a little bit more about each other's work that we kind of that I guess that sentiment and that bigger idea of what kind of we we want to sort of contribute to yeah, the city absolutely. and how how yeah because it's it's that it feels not not to put too much of a responsibility on the on the architects <laughs> of the world but definitely feels like a uh, every brief has its own kind of hidden opportunities in yeah a way. yeah absolutely and I guess that's the the way we choose to um, interrogate the brief in a way to kind of Im imbue it with this public kind of nature so you know it's been it's definitely been interesting to to look at your work and um, I guess meet you on the computer and then <laughs> meet you in person um, and kind of discussing our work and I guess it's been an opportunity for us and I'm sure you as well to kind of view your work through the lens of uh, I guess someone else's practice which is an interesting way to and you know comparing your work to another practice is always kind of interesting to to see I guess the similarities and uh, flesh out approaches that you know maybe you weren't 100% uh, aware of um, that sort of come through the process. But so. even just working on uh, it's a nice reminder that there's a kind of I guess a global um, concern yeah. in the sense of even though we're working on different different sides of the globe mm -hmm. uh, this sort of core concerns of, of architects or of us are, are kind of still the same and there's a, obviously there's there's some kind of nuances between it which is I guess the core of certain projects like this awning project which kind of would never happen in the kind of culture which I I work in in London because we don't have that element but and then the same I guess within as I've noticed the there's a kind of culture within Melbourne which I think is really interesting and kind of seems like a really great place to work yeah. so Definitely, uh, a kind of a lot of exchange, I think, has happened. But yeah. yeah. Does anyone have any questions? Or are we going to take oh, talk about them at the bar? We can have bar. questions yeah. at the bar as well. <laughs> <laughs> continue. We'll continue our informal, yeah, into the into the question time by having that yeah. informally. Uh, but yeah, it'd be great to actually meet more Melbourne people as well. So feel free to come and say hello. <laughs> Oh, no, there is actually We've a got a question. Uh, the community billboard has got planning permission, and we've been into the next stage, which is about, like, like I say, that interesting part of trying to work out what is that public message which you put on the billboard. Because it's meant to be a notice board, so um, it's, yeah, that's a, a really challenging and kind of tricky area because going back to the work we've done in galleries with like younger people. I kind of feel like, yeah, I've worked with people from five to 10 years old in workshops all the way up to kind of working with kind of older members of the community to talk about ideas and designs and everyth ev everyone's got a different opinion. And just in the same way with a notice board, 
everyone's got a different opinion of what is important news to tell. So it's curating that content has turned out to be a really interesting challenge. And so working with younger illustrators and designers to try and work out strategies to have large scale messages, but also talk about birthdays alongside. <laughs> this kind of, how, how do you open it up to, mm. that's the current stage it's at. <laughs> Cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, I, c I can put some more detail into the, the, the kind of brief intro I gave before. Uh, the the Droga the program. So, yeah, I, I mean, I was invited over to do... Uh, I put the proposal in, as I described, the awning uh, project, which I'm currently working on in Sydney, and that was... Uh, part of a proposal which I put to the Droga Foundation um, a few months ago, which was uh, selected, and I'm yeah, currently developing that, along with UNSW and uh, UTS and the support of the Australian Institute of Architects, uh, sort of trying to bring my processes from working in London, which are very much working with one foot in the studio at a kind of desk and the other foot in a workshop at a kind of bandsaw or pillar drill. It's taken a bit more time to set up than thought in Sydney, but it's that um, that's the project that's where the project's kind of like now kind of starting to grow. And so moving from I guess this point of survey of the awning and its existing condition within Sydney, uh, and now moving into a more productive space of kind of starting to make suggestions for its future. So it's uh, it's not yeah at the moment the trolley is the very very current snapshot of how to find out what everyone thinks on the street about the awning but was that a topic that you um put forward as your research proposal before like prior to being in sydney or is it something that you it was yeah it was something i noticed on a uh, very quick previous visit in 2013 to australia it's the one thing well apart from the massive fantastic amount of culture and uh the great great country that it is the, <laughs> one of the many things i took away from <laughs> Australia. I was just about to say the only thing I took away, but um, so yeah, <laughs> I've wrecked myself now. But. <laughs> it's okay. No one's offended. Um, yeah. Do what? Are, do you have any idea of what some of the outcomes might be? Not really. Top secret. Um, not at the moment. I have some hunches. But it'd be interesting to know what projects uh, are happening in Sydney at the moment as well. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> about, I know, no, I know. To, to be serious, though, I'd love, I'd love to know. Like, uh, I guess you guys uh, have worked um, within most, with, mostly within Melbourne, uh, and, uh, and uh, is that correct? Yeah, largely. And then, the, and you have some kind of projects starting to come up in Sydney. Yeah. And I, I'm interested to know, as a as a practice based in Melbourne, uh, your opinion on the the kind of difference between these kind of the, the, the kind of I guess the the Melbourne Sydney the Melbourne and Sydney difference, Sydney if there, difference. If I'm working in obviously working and doing a research project in Sydney and I'm here for only three or four days so it'd be good to know your thoughts <laughs> yeah within the framework of this conversation um, I've just really pushed it haven't I yeah. so. <laughs> there's a third page it says Melbourne no. <laughs> Melbourne versus Sydney it's a contentious subject. Yeah. Oh, is it? Sorry, have <laughs> I, I, opened up, have I opened up the wrong bag? No, I'm joking. Um, 
Yeah, I, I guess yeah, having sort of done not a, a great deal of work in Sydney, um, it's sort of a little bit hard to 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 comment, I guess. But um, yeah, I I assume that it's similar. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Did anyone else? Australia. No. <laughs> yeah, I don't care to comment. On. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Thanks for. Yeah, sorry, thanks for coming. Thanks for coming along tonight uh, and seeing us discuss our overlapping themes as we've seen them. Like I say, it, it, it's been very much. We feel like we very much just touched the surface of some of the kind of uh, topics which are in big words across the centre of these things, and obviously the projects we've shown. In many ways, we could have re readjusted and <laughs> talked about in different ways, but um, it's been a really nice way of engaging with uh, a local practice and just, yeah, casually sharing ideas. Well, maybe we'll f in future we will formally share ideas and just casually talking about our own projects, whichever. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Thank you. Thank you.